praise God for that time of worship and being able to lift up our voices in song uh, to the Lord. Um, we're going to go ahead and move into the message this morning. And uh, I've titled this message, God's Still Got Me. I think somebody needs to hear that uh, today. Because uh, I know that I've been hammering pretty hard on Sunday uh, over the past several weeks, especially during most of the time of this quarantine. Um, and I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your faithfulness and your willingness to receive even the hard messages that the Lord lays on my heart to preach. Uh, Y'all have no idea how proud I am to be your pastor uh, when I preach a self-confrontational style of word uh, that's really designed to make you search deep within your soul, uh, seeking to uh, root out the undesirable nature of the flesh that is at work inside each and every single one of us, myself included. Uh, and, but even after hearing uh, you know, these types of messages time and time again, I'm constantly getting feedback and emails of uh, people thanking me for being willing to, uh, uh, to preach uh, this type of word and uh, to be faithful to preaching the word of God. And, and I appreciate uh, that kind of feedback. It helps me to, to keep going strong and uh, it encourages me, not that I'm looking for um, the affirmation of man, but uh, it definitely does help to know that uh, the word is not falling on deaf ears. And uh, that, you know, that it's making a difference, that this service is making a difference in the lives of people uh, that I love and care about. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we do need to hear the hard messages, uh, especially uh, during a time such as what we're, we're living in, when it seems that Jesus is just like right on the, the, the doorstep of his return, his second coming. Uh, but we also need to hear uh, some other style of styles of messages as well, and uh, which is kind of where I want to come uh, from this morning and preach to you about a very powerful, a small but powerful four-letter word uh, that has given men and women the strength and the ability to overcome even the seeming, seemingly uh, most impossible uh, of odds throughout history. Uh, there was a rabbi by the name of Hugo Grin, who grew up as a young boy in Auschwitz, which was one of the worst Nazi concentration camps uh, during the Holocaust. And, um, of course, food supplies were always meager, and the prisoners took care to uh, preserve every scrap that came their way. But when the festival of Hanukkah arrived, Hugo's father took a lump of margarine and uh, much to the horror of young Hugo, he used that margarine as a fuel to light the candles uh, during the Hanukkah festival. Well, the boy was in absolute disbelief that his father would have uh, wasted this precious uh, nutritional substance, sustenance in such a way. And so he asked his father, why in the world would you do such a thing? And his father's response was just so powerful. And he said, son, we know that we can live for up to three weeks or more without food. But we can't live for even three minutes without hope. So I want to talk to you today about hope. What is hope? Well, according to the world's definition, you could almost define hope 
uh, as a strong wish or desire for a thing to come to pass. Uh, but in this regard, hope is only as strong as that person's desire. Uh, but in the Bible, hope is a little bit different. Uh, because hope is actually the uh, confident expectation uh, of, of God's Word coming to pass in our lives. And so its strength in this sense goes far beyond a person's ability to desire. Because in this context, uh, the confident expectation uh, of, the, of what God says coming to pass, uh, uh, placing our hope in uh, God's Word, its strength now is found in God's faithfulness, which is which far exceeds any of our uh, own ability to desire. Um, so if you will, turn to me to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verses 1 through 5 and some other passages as well. Uh, but I'm going to uh, bring, bring you a message here from Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. And I want to take you through a beautiful picture uh, of biblical hope. So uh, if you're there, we're going to go ahead and read. Uh, Romans 1, 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So, but just I want to take you back just a little bit, and in the uh, previous or, or or in the verses and chapters prior uh, to these five passages that we just read, Paul lays out uh, a very significant doctrine, New Testament doctrine, uh, that that's called justification, uh, which is basically just a fancy sounding word that that means just as if I never sinned. Uh, Paul is writing to a mixed group of people in Rome being made up of both Jewish believers as well as Gentile believers. Uh, and if you guys think that I'm a hard preacher, go back and read uh, really all of Paul's letters at, at various places, but read it, read the, the letter to the churches at Rome and you'll see Paul pulls no punches. Uh, he keeps it straight up real 100%. Uh, telling his, you know, his people exactly how it is according to the Word of God. Uh, that every man, woman, and child on the earth is born into sin and, uh, and, and also comes short of the glory of God. Uh, he even tell, goes to, so far as to tell them that uh, some of you even think that you can rectify uh, this sin nature uh, by being a good person and by keeping the law. Uh, which is uh, false. <laughs> Obviously it's false. Uh, but he goes on to say you need to know this. You need to understand this. You may think you can rectify uh, your sin nature, 
by your good works and by keeping the law. But you need to know that according to Romans 3, 19 through 20, Paul writes and he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. That's some powerful words right there. Now look what he says next in verse 20. Romans 3 verse 20. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall be no flesh, or there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So in other words, the law's main purpose is not to save people, uh, but it's to help the man see that he is guilty before a holy God. So the law is literally just the knowledge or the revelation of the sin nature of every man. And the law was never actually meant to save anybody, even in the Old Testament. Some people get that twisted. They think that the Old Covenant, you know, the, the, the people were saved by the keeping the law, but that's just not the case. So we need to, uh, we need to understand that. Um, uh, but then, you know, he goes on to tell them that uh, to get saved or, or to be justified in the eyes of God. Uh, so in Romans 3, verses 24 and 25, he writes, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So here we have another big fancy sounding word. Uh, and that word is propitiation. Uh, some of you have probably heard that word, uh, but you've never known what in the world a, a fancy sounding word like that means. So basically in Mike Layman terms, uh, if you guys are watching, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of that. That's an inside joke. Uh, but basically, it, uh, what that means, what propitiation means, is that uh, before we were justified, before uh, we were actually justified by faith, in other words, before we came to uh, right relationship with the, with the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ, um, we were under God's wrath and we were condemned to death and to hell. So, when Christ paid the price for our sins by His blood, He appeased the wrath of God off of those who accept His free gift by paying the penalty for our sin Himself. So, Christ is the propitiation or the appeasement uh, of the wrath of God uh, because of our sin. He paid that price. He is the propitiation for our sins uh, through through our faith in His blood, and church, that is that is some serious stuff right there. Uh, we don't deserve it. We couldn't do it in in and of ourselves. We couldn't do it by keeping the law. Uh, we could only do it through our faith. And uh, Jesus paid uh, the penalty to appease the wrath of God that was once upon a time on us until we came to right relationship with Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Paul proves this doctrine uh, by explaining that Abraham in chapter 4 was never justified 
in God's sight uh, by keeping the law, but it was always through his faith and his belief that what in what God told him to do, you know, Abraham believed God, and so he did what God asked him to do. You know, he in other words, he believed that the word of God was as good as gold. He took what the Lord said and he did it, and he followed it, and he 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 was made righteous by his faith, and we'll see that here in Romans four seventeen through twenty five, where Paul writes of Abraham saying. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I love that. Uh, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So we remember God gave Abraham a covenant that through his seed he would bless the uh, and, and, and create a chosen and, and separate set apart nation that would later be called Israel. Uh, but Abraham was a hundred years old, you know, you'll see, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Uh, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So God tell Abraham didn't have a son, didn't have a seed to carry um, the fulfillment of what God was telling him. And so he's, he, you know, but he he didn't buy into that. You know, yeah, he was a hundred years old. Sarah was on up up there as well, and uh, you know she was barren in her womb. And so you know, in the natural, what God was saying didn't make any sense. Uh, but look what he says next. He says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, um, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able, or he was able also to perform. This is amazing uh, stuff right here. This, this is awesome scripture. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was, now catch this. Uh, so Abraham's faith in the word of God, in the promise and covenant of God, his faith was imputed to him for righteousness, not the law. So look what he says next. He says, now it was not written for his sake alone. So Abraham didn't go through what he went through just, you know, for himself. But it was, uh, but... Um, so and now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So we have Abraham and his faithful obedience to the word of God, his faith in the word of God, which caused his obedience. His obedience didn't cause his faith. His faith caused him to act according to the word of God. So there is a works involved in, you know, we look at James and we're not, we know we're not saved by our works, but then James goes on to, you know, to say that, uh, you know, show me faith without works. And I'll tell you that that, you know, that faith is dead and I'll show you my faith by my works. But what he's saying is not that you know we're made saved by our works, but our works come as a, a um, 
a part of our being saved, a part of our being justified. It just happens. It's like, you know, when Jesus said you can tell a tree by its fruit, when there's genuine conversion, there is an action just like what we see uh, here in the life of Abraham. And so we, so God is giving us, and, and Paul is giving us, and the church that was at Rome, and the churches that, was at, that were at, at Rome, uh, this was an example for us to believe uh, and, and to see the doctrine of justification, not by works and keeping of the law, but justification uh, by our faith in the Word of God. Somebody ought to say glory, hallelujah. So, but for us also, <clears throat> to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now, so the fact that you haven't said a cuss word in 30 years, uh, and you've never missed a church service anytime the doors uh, were open on Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, and Sunday evening, uh, you listen to gospel music when you're driving in your car, uh, while all of that may be well and good, and you know we should be doing uh, those things to the best of our ability, but not one bit of that will save us and make us righteous in the sight of God. Please understand this. There is only one thing that can do that, and that is believing in the Word of God, Jesus Christ, that He is who He says He is, and He'll do, and He did what He said that He would do. Amen? He's already done it. Now it's up to us to receive what he did and believe. Believe and receive uh, what he did. So somebody, again, ought to say, Amen. Hallelujah. See, God doesn't look at our righteousness because we don't have any righteousness of our own. Uh, he looks at the righteousness. If you're saved... When you stand before the throne of God on the day of judgment, when you pass from this world into the next, God doesn't look at your righteousness. Thank God. You know, we ought to thank Him for that. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when He sees His blood on our doorpost, He says, that child belongs to me. And so He spares us from His wrath. Praise be to God. Uh, and and that's not a small thing. Understand, that is not a small thing. When God looks on you, the saved, sanctified, justified believer, a child of the Most High God, He's not looking at you and your greatest you know, works and righteousness because you don't have any and neither do I. Thankfully, He looks at us through the righteousness that comes through the faithful sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, when he sees that blood on our doorpost, he, he passes his wrath on by and he says, that child belongs to me. Enter in uh, and receive uh, the blessing of your inheritance. So I said all that to kind of set up what we're going to be looking at in Romans chapter 5. And I wanted to show you how all of that connects um, to our passages in Romans 5, 1 through 5. Uh, I want you to look at the very first word in 5 verse 1, the first word in the verse, therefore. That is a very important word. Uh, because that word is like a hinge pin 
that connects all of what Paul has been saying, all what he's been writing, really not just in chapter 3 and 4, but really from the first verse in Romans. That word, therefore, acts like a hinge pin connecting all of what he said prior, especially uh, the doctrine of justification through faith in Christ. It especially connects all of that uh, uh, from all of those um, previous chapters into this, this, these passages in chapter 5. The word, therefore, grammatically is a conjunctive adverb um, that is used as a transition word to connect sentences and paragraphs and, and trains of thought and ideas together. Um, it shows the cause and effect relationship between independent clauses and therefore it cannot be used to start a paragraph or include it as a standalone sentence. Uh, in other words, you can't um, I couldn't open this message in the first word that I come to you saying would be therefore. It does, that doesn't make sense. Therefore what? Because that word connects other thoughts to the thought that you're about to convey. So that's what's happening in verse 1 here in chapter 5. Um, so its sole purpose is literally to show how one cause creates a chain reaction of events. Now catch this. Here Paul is telling us that we are not justified by the law in chapters 3 and 4 and by works, but we're justified by faith in Christ alone. And because of this simple fact, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And everything he is about to say next hinges on or is made possible because of this very fact. I hope you're following me uh, up to this point. If not, thankfully you can actually go back when this video is over and watch it again and, uh, and maybe gain some extra clarity on this. But let's not forget uh, that chapter and verses... Uh, were not actually implemented in the scriptures from the beginning. You, you know, uh, scripture numbers and, and chapters were added later on. Um, I'm not real sure of the year. You know, you could easily look that up or whatever <clears throat> and see how that came to be. Uh, but they were added much later to the scriptures. So just because we have a new chapter starting here in chapter 5, that doesn't mean that what Paul is writing here is not somehow related to the preceding and also the proceeding, or in other words, the, the chapters in, in the scriptures that came before this, what he's saying, and also it's connected to the chapters that come after what he's writing here. Um, so let's not forget that. You know, yeah, we're starting a new chapter here, but it all goes together. That's why we start this, this verse here with the word, therefore. In other words, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. There we see that in Romans 5, verse 1. We were once enemies of God without Christ, but by grace, through faith, we are reconciled in His sight. Which ought to make somebody say, Pastor Dave, glory. So now let's look at verse 2. Uh, now that we've been justified... We've also been granted access to the grace of Almighty God, uh, which is the place in where we are to stand. 
and, you know, you'll read that, that in verse 2. Um, you know, we've been granted access to the grace of Almighty God, and it's in His grace uh, that that's where we're supposed to take and, and to be able to stand. Uh, in, in fact, this is the only place where we are to stand. Somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say next because it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years. Uh, you still need His grace to be able to stand just as much today as you needed His grace to stand 50 years ago. Don't go out there on your own, out there on a limb, thinking that because you've been doing this Christian walk for 50 plus years, you know, now you don't need the grace of God. You need that grace as much today as you always have because none of us uh, are perfected until the day that we enter into His glory in the next life and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. You know, uh, until then, we are a work in progress, every single one of us. Uh, you know, so when we try to uh, to stand on our own works and in our own strength, we are honestly setting ourselves up for failure. Um, how many of you ever have you have how many of you have ever been talking to someone uh, and they start bragging about uh, all of the great things that they do for everybody and uh, you know how awesome of a person they really are and all this kind of stuff and. Uh, when you're talking with them, all you can really think about, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're telling you how great they are yeah, with the intention of you acknowledging this fact somehow and being impressed. But, you know, oftentimes all you can really think of is, is the opposite. That, you know, it's, that really uh, typically uh, generates the opposite reaction. And uh, all you can think of is, you know, while they're talking, is how blind they are to the fact that really nobody wants to hear someone bragging about how great they are. And that's just the truth. We don't want to hear, you know, that prideful, sinful, you know, bragging attitude. Uh, you know, there's a scripture in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and he says, Wherefore let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed lest he fall. So, you know, when you think you stand, you better watch out. You better, you know, reevaluate some things because you will fall, uh, you know, with this, mind, this kind of mindset. You know, you're setting yourself up for failure uh, because we're supposed to stand in the grace of God, not in, you know, how awesome we are. It just doesn't work. You know, it's kind of like all these people who get on Facebook and other social media platforms and, you know, taking uh, selfie pictures and videos of, you know, them giving a hundred dollar bill to homeless people or, you know, or whatever. And, and I, I don't want to judge people's hearts and intentions. You know, these things can be motivational in certain instances. But, you know, sometimes you just, you know, kind of think, you know, why are they doing this? Why do you feel the need to, you know, post all these videos of you, you know, going out doing, you know, good things, you know, good deeds? You know, is it, you know, possibly to get people to like your post to make you, you know, popular and famous on social media? Who knows? You know, I, I really don't know. But, you know, what I do know is that, you know, what Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He says, take heed that ye do not your alms before men. And alms is basically, you know, your good deeds. You know, you can, you know, kind of look at it in that respect. He says, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Thine alms may be that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. I wonder who has the ability ability to bless us more, uh, men or God. Think about that for a second. But you know, and of course, this doesn't mean that we never talk about you know the good things that we're doing and you know that we have going on. Uh, in our life, but if the reason that we do these good deeds is to receive glory from men, then we're missing out on the, the glory and the blessings of God, which we know without a shadow of doubt far outweighs and supersedes anything you know that the glory of men could ever you know offer us. Uh, which is why he says when we do these things for the right reasons, you know, then he will when we do them in that manner with that mindset and with that heart and attitude, then he'll reward us openly. And he'll, he's so faithful to do that. He's going to take care of his children. So going back to the end of Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, this is also why Paul writes that when we stand in the grace of God and not in our own pride and ego, we also get to rejoice in the hope of his glory, which is awesome. I mean, that is awesome. We get to stand in the grace of God and rejoice in the hope of His glory. And that is way better than rejoicing in our own glory. Somebody say, Amen. I'm telling you right now. You know, we get to be a part of ministering the glory of God Almighty, the Creator of the universe. What bigger privilege could we ever in, you know, participate in than that? That's amazing. So look at the at verse three, and I love this. And I know I say that a lot, but the word of God's awesome. I love the word of God. But look over at verse three. If all what what he just wrote to us is not enough, <clears throat> if it's still not enough that we get to stand in the grace of God, rejoicing in the hope of His glory, uh, to not have to rely on our own works and and you know, greatest efforts and righteousness to be justified in the sight of God, as if all that is not enough. If that's still not enough, look what he says in verse 3. There's still more. He says, not, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Beloved, there is a wonderful blessing of God's glory and His honor when we go through tribulations. See, I was counseling with a wonderful woman of God just a, maybe like a couple of months ago now uh, who has just been bombarded with just um, all kinds of horrible medical issues, one thing after another from cancer. You know, for like the third or fourth time she's had cancer. Uh, she was... Uh, uh, dismissed from her job, uh, wasn't able to work anymore. She had blocked arteries and had to have a couple of surgeries because of that. Uh, you know, suffering through depression and fighting through depression, and you know, just all these crazy things, just tribulation and trial after trial, just bombarding her left and right. 
And I'm telling you, the enemy was having a field day trying to make her mad at God and blame God and, you know, just look down upon him for allowing her to, uh, or even causing her to endure uh, such horrible things. You know, her thoughts were, you know, why can't you just take me out instead of allowing me to, you know, and, and forcing me to go through these, you know, horrific trials that I'm going through. And there were so many points uh, in her life where she just felt like giving up. Uh, but here was the cool thing, and I got to, to watch this and, you know, and see this unfold in her life. God just kept showing up to encourage her to keep going and to keep pressing through her struggles, which he's faithful to do, which we'll see here in just a minute. And I know you already know this because he's done it in your life, but we're going to see it from the Word of God. Uh, and so now she has done just that. She's pressed through those struggles and you know, kind of overcome some of these medical issues. She's still facing uh, some as well. Uh, but I'm just amazed at how God has used these things to strengthen her into a powerhouse of, God, of His glory. And we just heard a couple of nights ago, man, where you know she was just testifying and encouraging people to stand strong in the grace of God because He's faithful to see us through. And uh, that, that's just awesome to see these things because the truth is that our is that our tribulations are able to reach down and develop areas uh, and places in our inner man that we didn't even know existed. We didn't even know things you know existed in these various areas of our inner man until certain tribulations and certain trials came in to begin to develop these things in these areas of our lives. Uh, which is the which is their purpose in the first place? Because remember, Jesus even said in John sixteen thirty three that in this world you will have tribulation, uh, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, and in me you can have peace. And the uh, the apostle Peter, he said that the trials of our faith are much more precious than gold. Because it is through our trials and tribulations that God uh, begins to do a work on the inside of us that otherwise cannot be done. See, tribulations are the catalyst of a chain reaction of events that takes place within the believer to turn them into a battle-hardened soldier for the army of God. I'm going to say that again. Uh, tribulations are the catalyst of a chain reaction of events that takes place within the believer to turn them into a battle-hardened soldier for the army of God. That's the purpose of tribulations, beloved. So, the gospel has endured persecution before it was ever born. We know this, and we talked about that last week. And God tells us that it is through our tribulation that he begins to develop a word that most of us can't stand to hear, and, and that word is called patience. So the Bible says there, I think it's in, uh, in chapter 5, verse 3 in Romans, he says that tribulation works that word that we hate to hear, patience. See, patience is a virtue and also a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. See, patience is when a person stops focusing all their attention on themselves and says, I know my God has got me covered. He says, I may be going through the ringer right now, 
but I trust that my God is, a, is going to pull me through, and not only pull me through, but bring me to a place of being stronger on the other side because of it. And look what he says next when he says that uh, the next link in the chain reaction of events here is that the patience that God is developing in my life also leads to a thing that we call experience. You can have a thousand college degrees hanging on your wall in your office, but if you don't have experience, those degrees don't mean nothing. You see, in my experience is that life is beautiful, it's fun, it's full of joy and love and laughter. But my experience is also that, it's, that life is hard. Uh, and it takes a lot of hard work and dedication uh, to be able to do this thing that we call life successfully. It's full of sorrow and pain and heartache. But the more I go through each and every one of these different aspects of life, the more experience that is added to my life. You follow what I'm saying here? See, the trials and hard work and the sorrows and the pain and the heartache, you know, we typically equate those to the negative aspects of life. But that's really not the case. It's just, it's, it's not necessarily the bad or the negative uh, aspect of life. It's just a different aspect of life. You see, the, the, the fun and the joy and, you know, and all the, you know, the, the great times and, uh, the beautiful and you know and the love and laughter that's one those are you know, one aspect of life but the other you know what we typically equate as uh, bad or negative that's they're not bad they're not negative they're just a different aspect of that same life it's all the same life just a different experience somebody needs to hear that too I feel like that's a word from from the Lord right there from for somebody See, I'm going to tell you like this too. I'll testify my experience real quick. My experience BC or before Christ was in that work in my life uh, is that I can't do anything without Him. I've proved that over and over again to myself. But my experience with Christ is that He is so faithful to do exactly what He says that He will do. Which leads me to the last part of what I came to say to you here today. Even though life is filled with twists and turns, ups and downs, highs and lows, positives and negatives, my experience with the faithfulness of God gives me something to hold on to during the tribulations that this life has to offer. And that something is called, that something that we hold on to is called hope. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Remember what we talked about a few moments ago in verse 2, about standing in the grace of our God. There are going to be so many times that we get frustrated and feel like giving up and throwing in the towel in this life and wallowing in our self-pity because life is just so unfair. Um, and, and there's also going to be many times to, you know, that we're, we're not going to do things the way that we know that we should do them. Which is why we have to thank God that we don't stand in our own strength and in our own works 
but we stand in the grace of Almighty God. That is a liberating feeling to know that God is not basing my Christianity in my justification on you know my shortcomings and my failures in life because I'm gonna have so many of them all the way to the point that I take my last breath so we stand in his grace and in his grace alone and we rejoice in the hope that he's called us to see it's in his grace it's his grace that gives me hope when I'm hopeless it's His grace that gives me strength when I'm weak. And it's His grace that allows tribulation to come my way. That doesn't make sense. It's almost like a, you know, uh, a fallacy. But it's really not. It's God's grace. It's literally God's grace that allows tribulation to come my way so that He can develop me into the man that He's created for me to be. And the same is true for you, man, woman, or child. Tribulation comes your way so God, by the grace of God so He can develop you into the person that He has created for you to be. It's like the prisoner of the Holocaust testified. We know that we can live for three weeks without food, but we can't live for even three minutes without hope. It is this biblical model of hope that works in the believer's life when they, were, they are going through impossible odds and situations and falling short of the mark every step along the way which we will more often than not it's this biblical model of hope that even though we will continue continually fall short we know that God has still got me I know that God still got me I don't know what tomorrow is gonna look like but what I do know is that God still got me my 401k might be a 201k tomorrow, but I know that God's still got me. Somebody out there listening to this service right now might feel like giving up. But I came here to tell you today, and I want you to say this with me. God's still got me. Let's say that again. I don't know if you've quite got it yet. God's still got me. Don't you ever give up hope. Because God was faithful the last time you felt like giving up. And guess what? Remembering that experience of His faithfulness, that's designed to remind you that God still got you and He's going to pull you through this time that you feel like giving up today. Just like He did the last time. He was faithful then and He's still faithful now. See, this too shall pass. And if you stand in His grace then you'll come out better and stronger because of it. So I hope that you guys have been blessed to hear this message that I preached to you here today, as blessed as I've been. And I hope that you'll take this and consider it, and I'll bring it with you, and, and to remember to rest, in, rest easy in the liberation of the, of the hope and the glory and the grace of Almighty God. Give it to Him. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the words of Jesus Christ, and He's faithful to do just that very thing. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the word that You've allowed for us to hear today. We thank You for the hope that is found in Your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Father, we're thankful for the fact that although sometimes we get in a place to where we feel like giving up, we can rest assured in the hope that, Lord, you have still got me. And, Father, I stand on that, that hope. I stand on that promise today. I love you. I thank you. I praise you. I ask that you help people to remember that in their most desperate of situations. Remember these scriptures that we've talked about today. Remember that, uh, that, that little motto there, that God has still got me. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask that you be with us throughout the rest of this week and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.